Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Sports Radio 610 presents The Outdoor Show with Captain Mickey Eastman. Good morning. Welcome back to the Sports Radio 610 Outdoor Show, hour number two. All right, let's go back and talk some more with Casey and Jeff and do a little, you know, a little more. I, I always think of Casey, man, when I remember when 1923 came out, that series, you know, that spinoff of Yellowstone and everything. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Spencer Dutton, he's a, he's a professional, well, not a professional hunter. He's like a protector, you know, a hunter over there killing, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, lions and uh, leopards and stuff that hunt people. And, and I always think of you when I, when I watched that, when he killed that leopard and that, at the beginning when he shot that line and ended up on top of him and uh yeah said man it almost came pretty close to it almost happened to me the exact same way when i shot the leopard the line was sitting right in front of me when, when i shot the leopard that was crazy boy yeah that is we're nuts just, we we're just talking about uh you know i megan for some reason i cannot cook tuna for i mean she I probably got one more chance to, to, to do some tuna. Or what do you overcook it? Way overcook it, under season yeah. it. And, you know, it's just, I can't never it get it. It cooks so fast. Way, way, way faster than it. Like I mean, it, it really does. I mean, flip it once and take it off. Get it off of there if you're doing it on the grill or what have you. And my wife does yeah. all the seasoning. She'll, uh, She'll uh, rub it through like sesame seed oil and then sprinkle sesame seeds off of it. And she buys these special little uh, Japanese peppers. And uh, now they're hot. Don't ever crack one open and try to take a bite of it. Just set it on top of that uh, tuna filet while you're cooking it. And then yeah. pull it off then flip it and then put it on the other side. And then throw the pepper away. You don't want anybody biting into that. It's bad. <laughs> but uh, it puts that flavor into that meat. If you don't overcook it, you know, you got to, it's, it's got to be red inside. You got to do it just right. And I, that was the Man. hardest thing for me to get down. Cause I'd always overcook it. It'd start turning. I just have a little bit of pink left. No, it used to annoy me when I would do that. Yeah. He was, you know, Katie's trying to convince me to, to do a, a recipe called poke. You like poke Mickey? You ever had it? Never had it. Never had it. Oh, it is so good. I mean, it's very easy to make, too, if you have a nice fresh piece of tuna or something. You can actually do it with Wahoo. You can do it with – it doesn't have to be tuna, but I think tuna or Wahoo probably would be your best choices. Right. Um, basically, it's just little cubes of raw fish. You can get, like, a sweet onion, uh, a shallot, or even a sweet onion. Chop it up pretty fine. Mm. A little green onion, a little soy sauce, sesame oil. And chili garlic sauce, you can buy it at the store. It's an Asian sauce. And you just basically mix that stuff together, and that's all you do. And a little rice vinegar also. You can put a little rice vinegar in there. 
And it's just, and you mix it all together, put a little fresh sesame seeds on it. It's a Hawaiian dish, basically. Hawaii, people from Hawaii make it. Right. And it is kind of like a wine-style ceviche, I guess you would call it. But it is just delicious. And it's probably my favorite way to eat, you know, fresh tuna. It's so good. Awesome. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to try that. If you don't mind raw fish, because it's yeah. raw. There's so, no yeah. let, let me ask, I know, you know, I love grouper. What we've been trying to catch as many as we can, and we do enjoy eating it. But can you eat, or is it safe to eat groupers in, in like, sushi or, like, some kind of, uh, you know, stuff like that? You know, I've, I've, never, I've never eaten grouper raw before. Really. No, I no, hadn't either. You can make ceviche with it like you do a snapper. Yeah, It'd sure. be really good, you know, like that. I but I've imagine. never eaten grouper raw. I don't think it's got great texture for raw. Really? Myself. It's it a harder be, meat. You could, I mean, you slice it real thin and eat, eat it raw. I'm sure it's fine, but it's not, it wouldn't be my preferred piece of sushi. Well, there's some eat, species of fish that come out of the <clears throat> guff out there that you, they deter that not to eat it raw because of that cigatera disease you can get off of it and everything else. So. And grouper, and grouper will carry that, especially grouper yeah. in your coral reef will yeah, carry that. Exactly. Barracuda so, yeah. so, carry it. Uh -huh. Yeah, amberjack. Amberjack, amberjack was, carries it. Cook those thoroughly. Yeah, <laughs> up on it not that long ago, they were talking about more of the. It was the colorful reef fish on the reefs that actually get it the worst, and then it's what, whatever eats those. Whatever right? eats those. Yeah. So, and right. they were saying some of the, the more colorful grouper get it, but not so much like scamps and you know, no, because they're they're like scamps are normally you know not in those coral reef areas. They're normally deeper deeper bottom. The uh, you know, the, the yellow fin grouper, you've seen those. Those are yeah. the ones that get really bright red on their top of their back. Yeah. You've seen those? And we have some of them out here, but they're usually always around coral reefs. Their actual uh, scientific name ends in venomosa, which is venomous. It means venomous. Are they actually uh, venomous? They have ciguatera. That's the reason why people got oh. sick on them so many times, I guess, that they named them that. Really? That makes a lot of sense. So I would really be careful eating one of those. You know, well, you know, we went we went grouper fishing not that long ago, but we were actually near, I'd say near, I mean, within about five or ten miles of the of the uh, flower gardens. And that and that was a value point that brought up, man. I mean, we're kind of messing around a little bit with some cigatera, but, I mean, we were in 350, 400 foot of water, I mean, at the shallowest, and then down to, you know, eight, 900 foot. And, you know, they they've... I don't think we had to worry about it, but it did something that came to it's very rare here because we're not. This is it's more of a tropical water, tropical water disease. I mean, we this is not considered tropical waters. Actually, that flower gardens is a northernmost coral reef or whatever, one of the most northern most one that there is. Yeah. So we we have a very low chance of getting cigarette here yeah. compared to you know the tropics somewhere. I would think. Right. Yeah, it's Pretty a lot like, more common in the tropics. Exactly. I've heard that too. So, I mean, you know, last week it was neat because we, in, again, in the same spot, we ended up catching, you know, a blackfin, a blackfin snapper, had a, a a red porgy. I've never even seen a red porgy. Uh, Those porgies are tasty. Man, they are. They're they really good. The white ones, the red ones, whichever ones you catch. Yeah, they're good. Yeah. That red one was really. I mean, it looked just like the white one. Without, like, I want to say the white ones tend to have, like, those little leopard patches or something on them. And then uh -huh. this one here was like, you know what porgies are related to? A fish that we catch right here at the docks. Piggies. What? And, and sheephead. And sheephead. Sheephead's a porgy also. Really? Darn. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> See, this guy, he knows everything. I mean, you, you need to know something about a fish. You let him know. I'll tell you this. 
we came in one day. I had a, I had a grouper. I never I knew it was a grouper, but I never you know it was that Spanish flag grouper. And I sent it to him and the biologist over at uh, Moody Gardens. And almost instantaneously, uh, Casey sent me back. That's a that's a Spanish flag grouper. And my biologist friend, it took him about thirty minutes to figure it out. So. Whenever yeah. I was a kid, I used to read the fish books and memorize all the fish pictures. And I mean, I looked at them all day. Like, I would look at all the fish pictures and memorize the names of all the fish and still, and I still remember. Yeah. Because that's what I was in. That's what I was into was fish. So. Yeah. Yeah. That Spanish flag one, it's, it's, that one's a pretty significant one. It's got that black or that red uh, dot on the tail and all that stuff. I mean, mm -hmm. those stripe. I mean, it doesn't look anything like. I mean, I guess the closest you could say was a lane snap or something. Kind of like, like that. I mean, it had that a little beat. bigger, bigger, a little bit bigger mouth on it, maybe. That's yeah. Something. I mean, it, it looked like a grouper face. You right. Know? It wasn't yeah. like a snapper looking face, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it was, we, we caught some really cool things. You know, the one thing I haven't caught, though, is a yellow eyed snapper. And I know they catch them out there in that same area. It's called a silky? Is it a silky? Silkies have yellow eyes. Yeah, I think that's what you're talking about. I mean, they look really close to a red snapper. I mean, it's... I think you're thinking of a silky. I'm thinking of... When I think of yellow eyed snapper, I think of a silky. It looks just like a red snapper, but its eyes yellow. Uh -huh. Basically, that's the main difference between them. It's a deeper watered fish, too, of course, like than a red one, but... Yeah. Yep. Well, whatever. We... we uh, <laughs> My plan on the next couple months, we're, uh, we're, we're planning on going and finding some weird, exotic-looking... Uh, the yellow yeah, eye. Yeah, yeah. That shoot that looks more like a, a, a vermilion or something like that. Or a vermilion right above it. Yeah. Uh, there you go, right there. Silky. Gotcha. Yeah. Silk called the silk snapper, not a silk silk snapper. Yeah. Silk. Yeah, silk snapper. Silk snapper. <clears throat> what we were really chasing out last week was a, a a queen snapper. And uh man, I mean you know, slow pitch jigging. I think I talked about this a little bit last week, you know, but I've never, you know, you just talk about jigging and my arms start hurting, so I don't have <laughs> one, nothing to do with it, you know. But I, I will agree, I will agree that we, we had piggies, we started fishing with piggies, and we were catching red snapper, basically anything. I mean, you know, and then I switched to the, uh, to the jigs and nothing but grouper. I mean, it was like, you know. Way it increased our odds way more. You know, you put a piggy down there on the bottom with a with a deep drop. It does. There's not a lot of action to that bait. But that jig now, that's a lot of action. And grouper love lively act, live action down there. They love live bait. That's why live bait works so good. Well, those mm. jigs are actually and live bait has down there. That live bait can't swim around and do anything but just sit there like this. The jig is moving around and draw a lot more attention. You know what I mean? I guess that's why it works. Mm -hmm. Got to make them eat it, man. Yeah, yeah. They can't stand it. You keep bouncing it in front of them they gotta grab it at some point yeah that's, and they that's the way trout are inshore you know trout and redfish hey make them work for it make them come get it <laughs> speaking of uh, you know i'm talking to a couple of bay guys it's kind of a little bit off subject but i was talking to a couple of bay guys here recently and they were saying that uh um you know they've been using croakers all kinds of mullet everything else they said they've been fishing a lot with piggies and he, he said that the big trout had just been gobbling them up like candy recently mm -hmm. i mean mm -hmm. it was so weird he said they've been fishing with everything else but piggies and all of a sudden because they wouldn't eat them and all of a sudden now they're just like, snacking them like candy so yeah pinfish work really good i think they're uh probably for a real big trout to catch like you know on the jetties or somewhere where you're targeting real big fish that piggy's probably gonna outfish the croaker on big fish oh, wow. especially down no. south 
see that a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sharky had a had a twenty seven inch the other day. Yeah, twenty seven or twenty eight yesterday after that storm, he caught it right there by the causeway. It looked like I could see the causeway in the background. So that's a that good was... fish. Kind of skinny, had a big old head on it. But yeah, man, with the pictures with these cell phones now, these fish look way bigger than they really are. You notice that? People are getting too good at taking the pictures. I mean, fish, unless man. that woman was like uh, three foot nine inches tall, because <laughs> she's standing there holding it up, and it looks as big as her, as long as she is. You know, it's kind of. Uh, that's hilarious. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, that's you know, if you know how to take pictures, you know, hold it close to the camera. You know, shove it through body. the lens and stand way back behind it, push it out there. You know, and it. Uh, it just uh, changes. It just looks funny, but that was still yeah, a good got... fish. I mean, the twenty-eight inch fish. Oh, this day and beautiful. age, that's a nice. What was he calling it? A uh, what they call that fish? A hogzilla or something? I don't know what they call it, but that. Uh, but for nowadays, that that's a good trout. Really is a really nice fish. Yeah. I was I was showing Casey we have uh, over here in the green lights you know the the trout and, and it's really mainly like right now they're not popping too good but uh, like in the evening times I mean they have been I'm talking you know swarms of probably anywhere from 15 to 18 inch trout and those redfish will be right on top and they'll run those piggies down you know it and right then a lot of activity in the green lights up in here recently and like I said some good trout too not little ones you know. Not from from now through the end of the year, you know, this is the mm. best time back here in this harbor. It's really good back here. Really, a lot I mean, of better days ahead for inshore fishermen. Yeah, it's our time yeah, of the man. year, cool weather. Just add cool weather and cooler water temperatures, and here it comes. One just popped right there by your dock. Yeah, yeah I, I feel like, like you know, I feel like March. I mean, is when I caught the bigger trout in here. And, yeah, I mean, for a little, that's understandable. <laughs> Yeah, it makes sense. Man, I mean, you know, we were catching some giants. I mean, I was catching some 29s, 28s. I caught a couple that were real kissing 30. I mean, they were real close to it, um, you know, up here in the harbor. Just, and again, you know, I take that back. And it was it, the bigger fish, looking back on it now, the bigger fish that I was catching is whenever we, you know, it'd be a real bull tide or something like that. And there'd be a lot of movement. And I'd, I'd park over there next to a bridge, trestle or something like that, and catch them on the backside like an eddy. Yeah. And it'd be a yeah. lot of schooling. I'd be catching a bunch of, you know, 14-inch trout, 15-inch trout, and then bam, you know, a 30 be sitting there in the middle somewhere. I'd be in there eating the middle ones. That's what, that's what Mickey was saying. Mickey said that they, they would, uh, you know, probably feed on the on those 14 and 15s. I guarantee you. <laughs> I mean, hey, big. if you're gonna swim around in a big fish pond you better be a big boy <laughs> don't be a little guy because they'll <laughs> eat your butt man <laughs> all right gentlemen i gotta roll out of here it's break time already but uh hey if somebody wants to call y'all about coming down and hooking up and fishing or just pick your brain or get involved with you how they do it you bet you can call me at any time at 979-417-1013 or go to our website stsladventure.com Casey, you want to pick my brain call me uh, 979-373-1398 bring a big pick <laughs> <laughs> all right man hey you guys have a great sunday always enjoy talking to you y'all take care all right later Thank boys you. all right man all right that's a that's a good crew to talk to They've seen a lot and going to see a lot more. 
Well, you know, Boyd's One Stop, they're the home of the supercharged, super slimy powerhouse. Croker's located right at the base of the Texas City Dyke at 227 Dyke Road. And if you're looking for quality live bait, you know, for your next fishing trip, look no farther than Boyd's. From their tanks to your live well, that bait's as good as it can possibly be, and there's no better way to live your bait or your tournament fish than with their oxygen response system. If you need info on that and want to talk to Jason about it, just call Jason Cogman at 281-701-8107 or go by the store, check them out firsthand. They have them on display, different size bottles and regulators, diffusers. They even refill your bottles right there at the store. And if you're looking for, you know, going to have a big shrimp fry or shrimp boil or just want to put them up for the season, check out their shrimp specials they always have going on, whether you're looking for the big 912s, the 1618s, Whatever size you like, they always have great availability and great pricing. And check out their Cajun Grill next door, too. They have really good food there. Boyd'sOneStop.com or call them at 409-945-4001. When you go by and see the good folks at Boyd's, please tell them. Captain Mickey sent you. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Sports Radio 610 presents The Outdoor Show with Captain Mickey Eastman. Good morning. Welcome back to the Sports Radio 610 Outdoor Show. 520 here in the Bayou City. All right, let's go down to Port O'Connor. Let's check in with Captain Lynn Smith this morning. Good morning, Lynn. How you doing, bud? Well, good morning. What's up? Oh man, it's been well. It's uh, it's, it's been a pretty good week. Uh, right. But uh, yesterday, boy, that when that front rolled in, that boy, it brought some wind, didn't it? Yeah, it man. Did. There Gosh. was a pretty good gust ahead of that. You know, with those storms that came down our west side of the bay system, man, we had some thirty-five, forty mile an hour gust out of it. Crazy. Oh yeah. Oh, it it howled down here. I mean, I was out there and and uh, we got rained on. I mean, that felt good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I haven't felt that in a while. No. But, and sure seeing a lot of teal, a lot of teal. I figured, you know, the prairie, a lot of the prairie dried up, so those teal are, are moving on, man. They're, they're coming down on the coast. Yeah, they are. They're uh, hitting any kind of water they can find right now, brother. That's right. That's exactly right. I mean, we used to, um, I used to, have an easy limit opening day on teal down here because they they run them off the prairie you know they'd start hunting them on the prairie and uh and then those teal make a move or they they want to get farther south and uh so opening day it was pretty easy to kill a limit of teal but uh man there's nothing better eating than a, than a teal i'll guarantee you that i prefer those them are, over any other duck oh absolutely really like Oh, they're they're excellent. Make my mouth water just talking about it. <laughs> yeah, we used to. Yeah, man, I remember having, always on opening weekend. 
we would always barbecue those uh, teal breasts, man. We'd breast oh, them out, man. bacon wrap them, stuff them, you know. Oh, man. Oh, oh man. Slow grill them. Yeah. Don't cook them too much. Or it's kind of like tuna. You don't want them too done. You know, they, that's right. They, you, know, you want a lot them of more rare. duck because they overcook duck. And uh, it's better if it's yeah. uh, a little undercooked. Way better. That's right. That's right. You want a little red redness there in the meat, but mm -hmm. uh, boy, it's good. Kind of like mm -hmm. the way you like your ribeye. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. But boy, I tell you what, I I remember uh, we used to go back into um, in the Sea Rim Marsh down in Sabine Pass. That's where I hunted a lot. My dad right. my dad hunted that years and years ago and, and uh we used to stop at a little little building there, a little shack in uh, Sabine Pass and buy mm -hmm. a permit for three dollars. Right. And uh, and you get a permit and then you run back. I'd launch my boat in Texas Bayou there and run up Texas Bayou out in the marsh there. And we'd pull up and uh, get out of the boat. And then we'd uh, have these, I had these backpacks and I had a couple dozen uh, soft rubber Dura ducks decoys, they called them. Right. And they were, you could roll them up, roll them up, and, you know, wrap the string around them put them in a backpack and I'd get a couple of dozen in each backpack. Well, um, we'd walk across that prairie and, uh, go to this pond that I liked and, uh, put the, put a couple of, put like four dozen decoys out there. Oh man, <laughs> we used to work on those ducks, boy. Oh man. yeah. Do that now. A lot of to, Carry all them decoys a lot of and walk in there now at your age. <laughs> That'd be a hike. Oh, I, I, I bet I could still do it, though. I bet I could do it. it because the prairie was uh, walking across to those ponds. It was it was like walking on concrete. Oh, was it? Yeah. Okay. I'm I'm comparing yeah. it to the marsh I've hunted over my way. Boy, I tell you, that's a baton death march. Yeah, this this isn't bad. The only bad thing about this this march going to that pond was uh, the mosquitoes. Mm. And, uh, I mean, yeah, there absolutely. were times where the mosquitoes were so thick you couldn't breathe you'd, you'd inhale them or you'd suck them down your throat that's right and uh, back then the only only re uh, insect repellent we had was 612 remember that remember those 612 they don't light they don't even bite <laughs> all right but you, no it was they don't it. bite they don't even light <laughs> yeah right remember he'd spray his but arm the, on it to stick it in that uh mesh cage with all the millions of mosquitoes in it and they would oh yeah his arm right now yeah. 612 but the bad thing about it was you get on your hands and it would actually eat the varnish off of your stock of your yeah, it would just think what that was good for your skin oh i know 100 <laughs> it would neat. make the varnish it'd make the varnish sticky gummy you know oh, i'll tell I you that, that insect way. repellent them boys carried in vietnam they kept on their helmet you know that little yeah. tube you know, you right. could go to the you used to you could go to the army surplus stores and buy it and buddy, you put that on, it'll it'll last all day. You'll never have a bug come near you. I don't know what it's uh as far as health wise how good it was for you, but uh <laughs> it worked. Oh man. Man, oh man. Well, those uh M fourteens and M sixteens, they didn't have uh, varnish on them. <laughs> I no. guarantee you. They're just plastic. But uh yeah, but that 612, I remember, boy, it just literally <laughs> would take the varnish off the forearm on my shotgun. That that varnish would get sticky, yeah. real gummy. Well, it melted, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. 
man, man, uh, you'd have to redo your your stocks at the end of the season, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was unreal. Boy, one time I had those I had those decoys, those uh, soft rubber decoys. I'll never forget this. This was funny. We used to uh, we used to hunt the J.D. Murphy Wildlife Area right down here in Port Arthur, and um, we'd run back in those compartments. And uh, I had an old boy that I went to college with, and this boy, uh, he won the duck calling contest in Stuttgart. I mean, man, he could he could blow a duck call. Believe me, he was from winning. Uh-huh. And uh, I took him back in there one day, and and uh, we shot a limit of birds, and, and we were coming out, and uh, we're running that bayou coming out, and there was a flat bottom aluminum boat, three guys in it, and one was standing up waving his arm. And so I started shutting down, and, and the guy said, uh, uh, you, you, you think they're broken down? I said, no, they're game wardens. So we eased up there. Well, it was two state game wardens and a federal game warden. Right. Well, this federal game warden pulled up there. Boy, he jerked open his jacket, and he had his badge and everything. Oh, you yeah. Know? Federal game warden, federal game warden. Yeah. Okay. So um, that particular day, I had a tow sack that I had some of those soft rubber decoys that I didn't use and I had them in the bottom of that toe sack and uh, anyway he they pulled up there and they were checking license and plugs and all that you know in your guns and, and uh, this one that federal game warden was sitting on my gunnel of my boat and he he reached down he was he was feeling in that that burlap sack <laughs> and I uh, had decoys in and boy when he got to the bottom of that sack he felt those soft rubber decoys and his eyes lit up he thought he had caught something. He thought he had really found something there, buddy. Oh, I, yeah. I got him dead to rights. <laughs> oh, man. He grabbed that toe sack, and he dumped all those decoys out on the bottom of my boat. And there were those soft rubber decoys. And I just kind of grinned, and I said, you thought you had me, didn't you? And he said, well, yeah. yeah. And those uh, those state boys, well, they, they didn't really like the federal game wardens because they pushed their luck. You know, they – they they forced their their forced uh, the law on you, you know. Oh yeah, I've had dealings <clears throat> with them before. Oh yeah, <clears throat> some are good, some are bad. But anyway, he dumped those decoys out on the bottom of my boat, and uh, anyway, they got they got, got through checking us, and he was fixing to get back in his boat, and I said, "Whoa, whoa!" He said, "What?" I said, "Decoys sack." He said, "You want me to put them back in the sack?" I said, "Well, they ran it when you picked it up." Yeah, <laughs> and boy, he started stuffing those decoys back in that sack, and I looked around at those two state game wardens, and they were just smiling, <laughs> grinning, and they turned their heads. They, they didn't want to just laugh out loud, but they they loved it. It was funny. But, hey, uh, I like that meme you see on social media. It'll pop up every once in a while. It shows a guy in a bass boat, and it shows a game warden standing, you know, with his boat next to the bass boat, and he's standing in the front of that guy's bass boat after he checked all of his gear and everything. And uh, it shows, shows the game warden asking, well, is there anything in this boat I need that shouldn't be in here? And that fisherman looked back at him and said, yeah, you. <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, we, like had a federal, we had a federal warden here that was real good. And uh, I had two young, young boys hunting with me one morning, and uh, I was guiding for the Budweiser Lodge here. And uh, anyway – he checked them and uh, they hadn't signed their duck stamp. And, uh, Oh man. He said, he said, boys, Cardinal sin. He, 
he said, boys, that's a hundred dollar fine. And boy, they look kind of funny, you know, and he, he reached in his pocket and got his, his fountain pen out He's and, and handed it to him. He said, here you go. He said, uh, you got to guarantee me you'll take your girlfriends out for a hundred dollar dinner. <laughs> yeah. That, well, that was way, nice of him to do that. Cause you know, some yeah. won't, that was, I know. Uh, that was really nice of him. Oh, he was real good, and uh, and that's the way it ought to be. These guys, yeah, there, there's a lot of them. They're, they're just good old boys. They've hunted and fished all their lives. That's why they're game wardens. They enjoy the outdoors and they love what they right. do. And uh, you know, exactly. they'll work with you. You know, you... I was pulling, I was pulling my boat out uh, down here one one day, and and uh, somebody hollered at me, and it was a that federal game warden. He'd retired and everything, mm-hmm. and. Uh, he said, well, man, how you been doing? I said, fine. How, you, how about you? I said, you enjoying retirement? And he said, oh, yeah. I said, do you watch Lone Star Law? He said, I sure do. I miss the chase. <laughs> yep. Yeah, he missed the chase. But he Those was a good game warden. spread tho- so thin. I mean, you know, for oh, yeah. the size of some of these counties and only a handful of them have to cover, it's just I don't know how they do it. They Oh, I know. And they deal with it, some not so good people a lot of times. That's I mean, it's, that's true. That's true. But he was the best federal game warden I ever saw, and right, uh, I'd ever dealt with. I mean, he he treated you right, and uh, like letting those boys, you know, sign their duck stamps and not not find them. Now, that's the way it ought to be. I mean, they didn't yes. do it on purpose, you know. No, they just so, didn't know. They that's right. They didn't know you had to do it. But, well, the uh, biggest mistake I see a lot of people make these days when they shoot a deer, they fill out one part of their tag to put on the deer, but you got to fill it out on your license too. You know, with that's the right. You shot it on and the county it was in, all, all of it. And uh, that's right. You know, I see them make that mistake a lot. Oh, it happens a lot. Yeah. Yes. And you know, years ago, uh, you had to keep the ribs too. I mean, you know, there wasn't right. a whole lot of meat on the ribs, but. But you had to keep the ribs. If you didn't have them, they would write you a ticket. And uh, we we ran into that, you know, one of the ranches down there in the Ensenal. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was kind of funny. We had a uh, a group flew in on that ranch out of Ensenal. They, they had a runway and everything, and they flew in, and they were from Baton Rouge. Well, it was during uh, the white wing season, during dove season. Right. And uh, so anyway this uh the owner of the airplane and everything his sons with him well his son was probably in his 20s and uh anyway this game warden came up there to check them boy and he was checking them checking their birds you know the doves and everything and uh he said a young boy out of out of uh, baton rouge he said well i got i got one white wing and he said uh, oh okay well here, put your bag up here i'll, I'll check them well, he started pulling doves out of there. What that kid thought was a white wing was a mockingbird. Uh-oh. Not the, uh-huh. the state, state bird. bird. <laughs> yeah. I don't know Not what good. that ticket cost <laughs> I don't know what that cost him, but I know it wasn't pretty. You know. Yeah, like when Ann Richards shot that kill D that time or whatever it was. Oh, remember I remember the, that. She was governor of Texas. <laughs> Let yeah. me knock his break out, Lynn. I'll come right back to you, man. Hang on. All righty. All right. Well, I need to talk about 13 Fishing's Concept Reels. What I like about them, they're sleek, stylish, they're just what you expect from 13 Fishing. The all-new Concept Series Reels, they're more than just a pretty package. They're loaded with all the great features that seasoned anglers want. 
They feature anti-corrosion ceramic hybrid bearings that cast like a dream, and the concept has a huge 22-pound bulldog drag system. It can stop even the toughest inshore giants. In Concept Series reels from 13 Fishing, they boast a dead-stop anti-reverse system, an airhead line guide, and some of the sweetest concept handles you've ever put your hands on. They streamline this into a package to easily wrap your hand around for maximum comfort, castability, and control. Stop by your local retailer. Demand to learn more about 13 Fishing Concept Reels, or you can check them out on the web at 13fishing.com. That's Concept Reels from 13 Fishing. Make your own luck. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Live from the Twin Peaks studios, Sports Radio 610 presents The Outdoor Show with Captain Mickey Eastman. Good morning. Welcome back to the Sports Radio 610 Outdoor Show. All right. It's 538 here in the Bayou City. All right, Lynn, we're back, my friend. All right, man. Well, we were uh, early this week. We were waiting the flat and uh, had a lot of of teal buzzing us. Right. We uh, saw several good good flights of teal. And uh, I even saw a couple of pintails. So, you know, sometimes some of these pintails will get in with those teal. I mean, sure, uh, they will. Spoonies, too. Especially oh, early yeah. in the year like this, those young spoonies will be with those teal and uh, boy, oh, have you seen shot on opening weekend? Lord, oh my goodness, yeah, because yeah, a young like a hen spoonie. Well, it's, a spoonie uh, is a teal. Yeah, is it? It's in the teal family. Yes, I'll be darned. I didn't realize that, but yeah. you know, a hen, a, a young hen spoonbill is about the size of a blue wing teal. Mm-hmm. You know, not much bigger. So, yeah, there's a lot of them killed on opening day. I know that <laughs> by accident. Yeah, yeah it happens. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, one time I, I never forget, I had a, uh, my dog went after a duck, a, a pintail, and, and that, that pintail dove on him. Well, he, he messed around out there, messed around, and, and didn't find the duck. And finally, we had a lot of ducks trying to come in while that dog's out there. So I called him back. And uh, anyway, our last duck that we killed was a widgeon, and my dog went out and picked it up. Well, on his way back in, he found that pintail up in the grass. So here, here we have one duck over, you know. Yep. We have one duck over. And uh, so these guys I had hunting with me, two buddies of mine, they said, what are we going to do? I said, well, we're going to take it in. We're not going to leave it out here. That yeah. you know, I'm not going to waste game. It's not going to happen. No. So 
anyway, I saw that federal game warden. You got a man up, weeks. just take it in. <laughs> That's right. Well, several weeks later, I, I saw that federal game warden. And I told him about that. And I said, you know, I said, my philosophy was I was going to bring that duck in and explain you know, what happened. But I said, if I had to pay the fine, I'd pay it. But uh, I'm not going to just waste game like that. No, I've, I've had that happen back when I was guiding, you know, duck hunts. And mm-hmm. you need to get down to the end of the hunt and you need one more bird. And, you know, they come in and you get one guy, you call a shot and said, hey, take take that one drake right there. And when he shoots, he ends up dropping two birds. Right. And, uh, I said, well, we just we just got to we got to nut up, man up and uh, take this bird yeah. with us. Just oh, I had, if, we get, uh, if I, we get caught, guy, we'll just uh, pay the fine. I had a guy who wanted to kill a redhead, and I said, man, we don't normally shoot them. I, I normally don't shoot the redheads. Well, you know, they find them big bunches, and they'll they'll uh, string out in a line coming oh, out of the yeah. decoy. And uh, I said, well, if you're going to shoot one, shoot a big bull, you know. Well, he swung out there and, and fired and killed four. Oh, my goodness. Shot, in one shot. <laughs> And I said, oh, my goodness. And back then, you could kill one. You know, here we have Yeah, what's four. the limit now on them? Two, I think? You get I two don't know. I think so, I, too. I, I, yeah, two. But he killed a big bull that uh, was banded. And that band was so worn down, you couldn't read any number on that band. Nothing. Boy, he'd been all that sand and grit he'd been dabbling in and walking around in, just wore the numbers off. I, I killed a... He, uh, a uh, Pintail like that one time, a big drake, you know, in the windy mm-hmm. area. Same thing. You could barely make out the numbers. You had to use a magnifying glass. And Oh, man. Mm-hmm. You know, I killed, uh, back in the day, I, I, I killed three banded doves. Yeah. I killed two uh, white wings that were banded, and I killed a morning dove that was banded. And uh, that morning dove, I remember, was banded in uh, North Dakota. Huh. And made his way down here. Amazing. Yeah, Migratory game birds. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Usually, uh, you know, we start really having a lot of a lot of doves down here after about the second norther. We get a second norther in, it really blows them in. And uh, we used to go over on the peninsula. Might have go to the peninsula and hunt them over there on the, on the old runways. And, mm. uh, oh, man. We used to do good. Bad news is there's a lot of rattlesnakes over there. Yeah, there is. Well, Ooh. usually where there's birds, there's snakes. Oh, boy. I took my lab over there one time. I, I was leery, but he'd been desnaked and all that. And um, he'd had the shots. And uh, I knocked a bird down, and he, he ran after that dove and jumped right into a big bunch of cactus. Oh. And uh, and I it still found the bird. He found the bird. But anyway, he didn't get bit. Well, we're coming back, and I was I was uh, in the boat with this guy, a buddy of mine, and the dog was sitting between us. And uh, he said, "He said, look at look at your dog," and his whole face was covered in cactus thorns. Oh boy, it looked <laughs> like a porcupine hit him. <laughs> oh, I got him! I got him down on the floor of the house, and I started plucking those cactus thorns out of there. And I mean, it took two days for me to get them all out. He had boy, so many they, of them. They are nasty. I never took him back out there. I said, no, it's not worth it. You know, lucky didn't get snake bit, but, uh, I was pulling up to the shoreline one day, pretty close to those, where those runways are. And I was pulling up there to fish and, and get out of the boat with 
these four guys. And uh, as I'm pulling up there, there was about a three foot rattler swimming. Oh boy! And and, and uh, coming toward us. And I said, "Look at that rattlesnake!" Oh so he's man! Up there, boy, they were they were taking pictures of him, you know, and all that. Well, that snake turned and was going to get on the boat with us. I said, "Time to go! <laughs> Time to go! We'll just leave him." Well, you're structured, and you're an island out there, and he wants to get out of the water. He's gonna come to that boat. I see it a lot. That's right. That's right. Oh, howdy. I've had him try to get on my boat. Yeah. Oh yeah. I had uh, one swim up to the boat about a about a four footer, and uh, I had to take a fishing rod and and flick him all away from the boat, just throw him out there in the water. I had to do it four times before he finally gave up and went on. But he he wanted on that boat, boy, because he knew that boat was high and dry. But uh, that's one thing people don't think about. A lot, of, a lot of these guys don't think about these rattlesnakes down here, but we've got a bunch of them. I guarantee you that. Well, I tell you, the you biggest be... cottonmouth I've ever seen, and I saw two of them in one day out there on the bay where I live. My son and my nephew, when they were about 12 years old, they were swimming in the bay there by the old piers, the old docks down there. And they mm-hmm. looked up under that one pier, and on one of those cross beams, there's this huge cottonmouth coiled up there and the head on that cotton mouth his was bigger than my fist and i got a pretty big paw Mm. and uh Mm. them boys ended up dragging that snake out of there and killing it and they brought it home and i was just it was it was as big around as my arm i mean there's the biggest cotton mouth i'd ever seen and uh they brought it home and uh I said, take that down to Mamaw and Papaws and show them. My mom and dad lived out there. They took it down there. And and uh, that evening, my mother was watering all of her plants. She had millions of plants and pots and everything else. And there was one the same size as that one in a flower pot. And my dad drug it out of there and killed it. They were they were a match pair. They looked almost identical. That's the two biggest cottonmouths mm. I've ever seen, killed on the same day. Man. It was, I was about uh, this time of year. Yeah. Well, in the spring, you know, when those crappie get up, get up along the shorelines, you know, pretty close to shoreline spawning, uh, I was walking along the edge of one of the bayous in Port Arthur there, and uh, somebody had laid some boards down across a muddy area, and so I was walking across that board trying to get over to another spot, and I heard this hissing noise. I looked around, and here's this cottonmouth. He's got his mouth open. Wide open. Hissing at it. Pure cotton. Showing that white showing that oh, white cotton yeah. and i thought "Ooh, i think i'll just back up <laughs> and i just started easing back but he's he kept that mouth open looking at me boy for quite a while just it's a warning you know it's like like being a rattlesnake you know he's he's got that mouth open with that cotton showing that yeah, white my, mouth my mom's dad my grandpa john cogdell his nickname was yonk they called him yonk but he uh, he just lived to fish, you know, and he was a freshwater fisherman, bass and crappie and all that. And when my mom was a little girl, they fished Lake Dallas a lot. You know, they lived in Denton, and uh, he'd, he, they'd fish out of like a P-Row, and he'd be back there in the back paddling that boat with one arm, and they'd be dobbing minnows and stuff and jerking crappie out along the banks, and they'd get under them willow trees, and them big old cottonmouth just fall off in the boat. He'd just reach down there and grab it by the tail and sling it out in the water. Oh my goodness! He never got bit. My mother, she's oh. ready to give that boat to that snake. She said, "Oh, Yonk, just reach down there and grab it by the tail and sling it out." 
Boy, oh, my goodness. Yeah, I'd, I'd had to paddle. I'd beat a hole in the bottom of the boat. No, I'm telling no you. cotton mouth. Oh, I, I can still remember. I was I was at the Port Arthur Country Club one time. They had a big, big lake Boy, there. Boy, that's Snake City I, over there, buddy. Oh, yeah. And I was paddling around, you know, fishing for bass. And uh, there was a tree limb laying in the water, it broken off a tree and mm -hmm. was dangling down. Well, there was a huge cottonmouth laid upon that limb, and he was stretched down that limb. He was he was as big as one <laughs> you're talking about. Yeah. And I carried a pellet rifle. I didn't want to carry a 22 or anything with me out there because the the golfers, you know, they wouldn't appreciate that. So <laughs> uh, I had that pellet rifle, and uh, I eased up there to that tree limb, boy. And he that cottonmouth was looking at me, boy. Boy, and I popped him right in the top of the head with a pellet. <laughs> yeah, but he was a big one. Good grief, he was big. Them old, old timers I grew up duck hunting with and stuff, they called them cane break moxkins. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Because you can see yeah. them, some of them are so big, they'd be going through that cane and breaking cane, they'd say it, you know, and you could see the cane yeah. moving where that snake slithering through there. Cane break you know, moxkins. You can smell them, you know. They, oh, yeah. They have an odor. They have yeah, an odor, they do. And they, and, especially when they den up and the mating rituals start, you know. Oh yeah, and boy, when I smell that smell, oh man, I just freeze, you know, because I know there's a cottonmouth around me, pretty close. Yes, we but, used uh, to have uh, a duck lease and and bass fishing lease we were on for years. Blaine and I and my brother, my older brother, and all, and we just practically lived out there year round, you know, bass fishing and duck hunting all winter and. I think Bobby Campbell was on there with us. We, it was a good crew. We had a good bunch of guys out there. And in the spring, we pulled up to one of the islands. We had one of our big duck blinds on. Bobby used to call it the hotel. But, I mean, we had it fixed up nice. And the snakes had chose that particular island in the middle of the lake to uh, do their mating thing. And we were 50 hmm. yards from it and you could smell it. And we pulled that boat up to the edge of it. They just started slithering there. There was hundreds of them. Oh my and, goodness. Uh, I said, well, I'm not hunting here this winter. <laughs> no, <laughs> but they all disappeared, but it was just one of those things they went through and they were just all on that one, one little old Island about the size of your living room, man. Boy, they were man. on it, buddy. They were all in that blind. Oh, it was bad. Oh, well, we had a, a woman here years ago was getting in a duck blind and uh a rattlesnake had oh. crawled up in that cane and stuff and uh he hit her on the shoulder oh no and, uh, oh yeah and uh i mean they had to rush her in uh victoria i mean she almost died yeah high bite's bad yes yes it is boy just think and, if it had got her in the neck you know that's how oh. uh hank morgan died Remember Hoagie yeah. Morgan and, and them that used to fish trout masters and all that? Good bunch oh, of people, yeah. really good family. They all fished it. And uh, it was on my birthday, December 28th. They were uh, they were hunting a rice field somewhere down on the mid coast down there somewhere. And uh, they were goose hunting. And uh, Hank's little boy had a BB gun and, you know, he was acting like he was shooting geese and all that. And he they were on a levee and his dad, Hoagie, and and uh, the bro his younger brother were, you know, over on another levee down from him. Well, the little boy goes over and said, Daddy went to sleep and he won't wake up. Well, it turned out a rattlesnake bit him in the neck or on the face. I think it was near the temple or whatever. 
And, uh, I mean, they they called life light and all that and put him in the Suburban, and, I mean, he passed away. That was so sad. We did a benefit for him in Matagorda one year, and for the oh, family man. it was just, I mean, what a – what a great guy. He used to fish with Ray Malone and all them. I mean, just, mm-hmm. it was just, it was a shocker. I mean, it just, still to this day, it just blows my mind how things can happen like that. Oh, Crazy. it can happen so quick. Yes. Yeah. I was walking, I was hunting doves in a rice field, and the rice field was partly uh, flooded. There was a lot of water in it. So I, I was up on the le- one of the levees. Mm-hmm. And I'm walking that little levee, you know, on the rice field. And, man, I heard this splash. And I froze and, and like, say there was a monster cottonmouth. It jumped yes. off that levee, and he was in the water just laying there. And uh, But that he couldn't handle that 20-gauge. <laughs> he, couldn't, he couldn't handle that. No, but, I don't, uh, he can't overcome that. <laughs> no. <laughs> but... Uh, Boy, I tell you what, you know, when you're in, in areas of water and there's a dry area, like you say, a little knoll or something, oh, uh-huh. man, you better be careful. Yeah, I was walking back to my airboat one day over here in, in uh, Port O'Connor, and my dog was running back there with me. Well, he he chose to get up on this one knoll, and, man, I called him off of it, boy. I said, oh, no, don't get bit. But... um he was like I say, he was these snakes and all that, but but you never know, you know they can. A dog can get over a snake bite real easy compared to a human. That's it's amazing. Oh uh, yeah, this friend of mine, uh, his wife, you know, uh, I think uh, most dogs get hit under the nose or in the face, right? Because they always stick their nose down there. Bam, they get right. popped right in the head, and it'll yeah. swell up like a beach ball. Yep. Well, this one customer of mine, he and his wife, they uh, they work labs. They they do hunt tests, and uh, she trains labs. And uh, one of her best dogs um, got bit right on the paw. That's and, the worst uh, place. It was a cottonmouth, obviously, you know. But um, anyway, it took took that dog a little bit to get over it, you know. But uh, but she did get over it. But she lost the hair on her paw where she'd been bitten. Oh yeah, I bet. Yeah. But man, I tell you, I'm, I'm always leery out there this time of the year. You got to, especially all the dove hunters and everything. You got to really watch man. Teal hunting. You know, how many dogs got, uh, eaten by an alligator yesterday? Oh, really? Think about, well, I mean, I'm just guessing how many. Oh yeah. Well, I had, uh, two friends of mine that uh, hunted together and they they hunted down here and uh, they they had a duck go down and the dog went out and got it brought it back and and the guy said he noticed a little blood on the dog's nose but he thought that was from the duck you know Mm -hmm. from the teal or whatever and uh, anyway the dog would sit in front of the blind well the next bunch of ducks came in they knocked some ducks down and the dog didn't go out to get them and uh he got out of the blind look, and his dog was dead. He'd been snake bit right on the nose. Wow. And and so, boy, he was all torn up about losing his dog. And so his buddy's, his buddy had a lease down around Freeport. And he said, look, he said, let's let's just go hunt my, my lease, you know, next weekend. Well, the next weekend, they go down and hunt his lease, and an alligator got his dog. Oh, man. They lost two dogs in a week, week's time. That's 
That's not good. Boy, it's like losing no. a family member right there, bud. These oh, duck absolutely. hunters take their dogs serious. Well, all oh, people better. do, but, you know, that's uh, that's a special bond between a hunter and his dog. Oh, it but, is. Uh, it is. It's like losing your I'll own kid, man. I had to put my dog down. He was 13. And uh, it, like you say, it's like putting down one of your family members, you know. It is. I'm still it's not terrible. over it. I'm still not yeah. over it. You know, I, I, I don't do have a dog about, now. Uh, about 14 years ago with one I had forever. She was my hunting buddy, and she got mm-hmm. cancer, squamous cell carcinoma. And mm-hmm. uh, I had to, on a Saturday, it was time. She looked at me, I, you know, because my vet told me, you, you'll know when it's time. Well, I went up there on a Saturday, and he came out to the car and put her to sleep in my lap in the back seat of my wife's car. Oh, man. I get get a knot in my throat just talking about it it's tough oh, man. Well, it is tough yeah i'm not over i'm not over mine i don't know how many years it's been since i i'm telling mine you. down I, I took him on his last hunt the last dove hunt and his both his hips had gone out really yeah. bad and uh, he would just fall down and, yeah it's pitiful and he, i'd have to pick him up yeah but i took him on a hunt and he picked up a limit of doves and uh it took him a week to get over it yeah you know he, but boy he was so excited out there in that field i mean well, that's what just, they live for you know that's that's oh, like uh, us you don't take our fishing away it'd kill us no absolutely all absolutely. right man i gotta run lynn hey if somebody wants to uh give you a call about coming down to port o'connor and fishing with you how they get a hold of you buddy yes sir man they can get me at uh, 361-935-6833 all right have a good sunday lynn always pleasure see you you too, Mick. Have a good one, buddy. Later. All right, it's time for our top of the hour break. National Anthem coming up. You're listening to The Outdoor Show here at Sports Radio 610. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 